Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Julia. Julia Blau is going to introduce herself because we have like a kerfuffle. I like that (laughs) word, a kerfuffle. (laughs) We had like the links and the share and it was just a wild thing. Just being very nice about it. The reality is, is I was not on top of my stuff. (laughs) No, you're fine. I mean, uh, I would love to have you share a little bit about yourself with us. Sure. Uh, So my name is Julia Blau, as you said. I am a professor at Central Connecticut State University, um, and I got my PhD in ecological psychology at UConn, and I have two beautiful babies. Well, they're not babies anymore. My son is 11, (laughs) and my daughter is eight, and, you know, so that's, those are the salient details for today's story. (laughs) I, yes, I know I say babies too. And my youngest are 11. So they'll um, always be my babies. And I've told them that and they've, they've learned to accept it. Yes. And I'm like, my babies are going into middle school. (laughs) Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I can't even, and my son is like, so close to being the same height as me. And I I keep pretending (laughs) it's not happening, but it is totally happening. He's going to be taller than me before you know it. And I can't, Mm -hmm. I'm like, not okay with it. (laughs) No, no. And I'm in like a whole new world because I have a 19 year old too. So I have like 19, 13 and twins who are 11. And it's having an adult child is a whole, a whole thing people don't prepare you for. I'm not, I'm not prepared. I'm deeply not prepared for that. It's like, I can't even think about it. No, I'm just like, I can't handle that. I had her (laughs) a very young age. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of kids. Um, I'm going to call you Julia. Yeah, please. <laughs> I prefer being called Julia genuinely. Oh, okay. Uh, good. Cause I'm like, oh, where do I like, you know, I'm no, in college. you know, is students always have this, like, where is the line? And, and you yeah. get taught certain things. I swear <laughs> on the first day of class, of all my classes, I'm like, please call me Julia. And I, and it's so amazing how few students will do that. Yeah. And that they still call me Dr. Blau or when you know, they think I'm cool. They call me Dr. B, which makes me feel like I'm so hip, which is great. Yeah. I'm definitely not, but, but I appreciate it when they do that. But. Yeah. I, it's just, it's weird. Cause it's ingrained with, in yeah. you, right? when, when you're in oh, school, yeah. it's just like, which is appropriate. Like that's right. good. It should be. And there are some professors that feel very strongly about using their titles. So I, I respect it, but it's, I mean, you, you I prefer it. Julia. Please call me Julia. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Julia. Uh, so you talked about having children mm-hmm. in your first pregnancy, you went through some stuff and I would love for you to share that with us. So I was in grad school when I had my son and like, first of all, that was sort of a strange experience because there's this weird thing about, you know, women in academia and I mean, I think this is probably true in in most fields, but women in academia in particular, where you like, there's an unspoken rule that you're not supposed to have kids until after you have tenure. Right. And even sometimes it gets spoken aloud. Like people are like, well, but I really do want to have get tenure before I'm X years old because then I can have children. Right. And, you know, I've never been one for listening to what other people think I should do with my life or in what order. And I was getting my PhD and I got married. And (laughs) actually, when I told my 
one of my advisors, one of my mentors that I was getting married, his reaction was, well, this is a strange time. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Not congratulations, but this is a strange time. See, I'm doing things the opposite. I'm already married and have children and want to go into a PhD program. Which which actually is was much more common. There were several people in my program who had babies, but their their kids were old, Mm -hmm. right? Like their kids were older and they they're like had come to this as like a second wave in their life. And I was like, I'm not willing to wait for either one of these things, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to wait to be a mom and I'm not willing to wait to get my PhD. These are both things I want and I am going to do them together. Yeah. Um, you know, which was the thing it turned out (laughs) like there's a reason people don't usually do these at the same time. Um, but you know, I, I got pregnant and I, the pregnancy was rough. My second pregnancy was actually much harder, but the first one was was rough enough. I, you know, had morning sickness throughout the whole thing, Mm -hmm. but I was doing my dissertation. You know, I didn't have the option to take time off. I didn't have the option to take a rest. I, I had to be gathering data and I had to be doing stuff. Um, and then I had my son, you know, which is this like very emotional and, and physically demanding process. And we're all supposed to pretend like that it isn't like, we're all supposed to pretend like it's fine because I have a healthy baby, Mm -hmm. but like, that's not really how it goes. Birth is traumatic. And it, it, even if yes, I got this wonderful baby on the other side, it was still this very traumatic process. Um, and then, and then I got him home and I didn't know how to be a mom. Like they don't give you a manual before you leave. (laughs) You have no idea. (laughs) Right. You have no idea. And the people at school, they were doing their best, right? Like they were doing their best to be supportive. But the truth is like, they didn't know how to be supportive. They never had a, had a student before who had a baby in the middle of doing their dissertation. Right. So they, their way of being supportive was actually to like, to back off. Right. So instead of giving me like, so in my program, when somebody's in the middle of doing their dissertation, they're supposed to spend a week living with their advisor for the week prior to dissertating, right. For the week prior to defending their dissertation. By then I'd had my son, right. So she didn't even invite me. She, she didn't invite me to come stay, which like was her way of saying, like, I respect that you have to be with your baby. And like, of course, but then that meant that like, I didn't get that week that, other right. people got. you know, meanwhile, I'm like writing my dissertation in between breastfeeding sessions, you know? So this was like a very stressful time. And I kept attributing the feelings that I was having to that, right? I kept mm-hmm. attributing everything to, well, I'm just stressed out. I'm just stressed out. I'll be okay. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can handle this. And I brought this on myself. So I'm fine. And then I don't know, I made, my son was about two months when I realized I was not fine. I, I was sitting there having these like intrusive thoughts of picking up my infant child and throwing him against a wall. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, I would never have done it, but the fact that that was in my, my mind and I could not get it out of my mind to the point where I was afraid to pick him up. Yeah. And I never really actually thought about hurting myself, but I did think about getting in the car and driving yeah. away and never coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking that if I didn't get some help, like right now, if I didn't help have somebody show up right now, I wasn't, something was going to happen. So I just started calling, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you have the list of people, you know, that you have. And I just, I made my way down the list. And some people live close and were able to get there faster. And my husband was working at the time, uh, 
an hour and change away. So he got in his car and made it back to our house in less than an hour. Wow. So I, I think he was driving faster than he probably should have been. Um, but they took us to, they took, you know, me to the doctor and, and they got me on a prescription and it helped, but not for a while. Like it was, you know, those medicines mm-hmm. take a while to kick in. Mm-hmm. And so, and so it was another month before I got to the point where I, I felt like, okay. And in the midst of all of this, like I, I didn't connect with my son, you know, I didn't yeah. connect with him. And, and to be honest, I didn't really connect with him for a long time after that. I think he was almost a year old before I finally was like, oh, this is a, this is a person, right? you know, this isn't just a thing that needs me, right? This isn't just a stressor. This is a person and I love them. But he was almost a year old before I felt that. And, and it's a thing we don't talk about. Yeah. Right. It's a thing that, that you're, you're like not allowed to talk about as a mom, because when you start, when you start saying, this is a thing that is happening, the speed with which people dismiss it is, is very, it's, it's clear that you are saying something taboo. Mm -hmm. Right. So I would say, well, I'm struggling with this thing. And they're like, but you're so happy being a mom. Right. And it didn't matter that the answer was no, like, I'm really not like I wanted this baby. And I, and I think I will be happy being a mom. Yeah. But, but no, right now I'm like, really not okay. And so I think part of the reason that I got into that place of being so unhappy and needing that extra help was because I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell anybody, right. Nobody wanted to listen. Nobody wanted to hear that. It wasn't until I was like in crisis that I, I felt like anybody was actually hearing that mm-hmm. um yeah. you know and I and I think in general we we society puts a lot of pressure on women to you know if you're going to be a mother to like really enjoy motherhood and mm-hmm. that there's something fundamentally wrong with you if you can't figure it out right away like they're always always oh, trust your instincts like I had no instincts in the beginning right. I did not know what anybody was talking about with that I was like what do you mean even like, I don't have any instincts with this, except that I don't like when he cries and mm-hmm. I want to stop that, but mm-hmm. that's about it. Everything else I'm like guessing and like pulling from books and searching the internet, trying to figure out that had no instincts <laughs> right. at all. Um, but yeah, so that, that, and I, and I couldn't tell anybody at, at school, right. Mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't share any of that stuff. So I'm still even in like the throes of this postpartum depression, which is what I eventually figured out it was. Even in the throes of that, I didn't tell anybody from school. I didn't tell my advisor. I didn't tell them I was still making all my deadlines. You know, I was still doing my work, but I didn't ask for any help off. And, you know, I, I, I got through it, but it was not, it was not an easy time. Yeah. Ironically, um, uh, my research interest is mental illness stigma. Oh, that's funny. Because yeah. <laughs> I had that. Yeah. <laughs> it was really something. <laughs> yeah. I um have bipolar disorder myself. Yeah. Um, so when after I had my kids, it who knows if I had postpartum because I already had depression, right? Wait, so you can't even just, tell. Yeah, there was no, I yeah. mean, I didn't know at the time I had bipolar disorder when sure. I was pregnant with any of my kids, but like, yeah, it's just seemed normal. I have dealt with depression since I wasn't a child. So sure. like, it just seemed like worse than normal. So it may have been postpartum. It may have just been so, bipolar disorder. Who knows? I also have, I have, I don't have bipolar. I have, I have obsessive compulsive disorder and depression. Yeah. And I didn't know either one of those things 
until about a year before my son was born, I had something called vulvodynia. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, no. but this is like where out of nowhere, sex starts hurting, right? Oh. And here I'm talking about penetrative sex, like out of yes. nowhere, it just suddenly starts hurting. And, and this was like a surprise to me. And, and I got to tell you, I ended up going to an OB who wasn't my usual one. And, and his reaction was like, you know, you have to do, you know, a little pre, a little warm up before penetration. And I was like, dude, I've been having sex with my, my boyfriend for like years. Like, that's not the problem. Right. <laughs> right. Like, that's not it. Like he had no idea what he was talking about. Then I went back to my actual, like normal, you know, and, and he was like, Oh no, I know what this is. It's called vulvodynia. Unfortunately, we have no idea what causes it. Mm-hmm. And like the treatments are not great because they mostly think it's stress because that's what they do with all women's health issues, right? It's right. just stress. Um, anyway, but long story short, he put me on antidepressants as a way of uh helping with the vulvodynia, which it did not help at all. However, I suddenly stopped doing a lot of things that I have done my whole life, like compulsions. I have done my whole life. Like I count all of the time. I, you know, I, I had yeah. to do things in a certain order, eat my food in a certain way. Like always my whole life, I have done those things and never realized that they were like part of my mental illness until I yeah. started taking an antidepressant and they went away. And I was like, uh, oh, 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 I think I know what's going on. Here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got my uh, diagnosis three years ago. Uh, it was in, uh, it was actually Valentine's day of 2019. So I'll never cool. forget the date. Cool. And, uh, I was like, no, when she told me it was bipolar disorder, I'm like, no, no, that's, you know, it's right. a more stigmatized disorder. Yeah. So I'm like, sure. no, no, I don't have bipolar disorder. And then she's like, go home, research it. it, try this medication. I went home, researched it. I'm like, holy, there I am. Oh, <laughs> just da- right down the list there. Huh? Right. Okay. Check, check, yeah. check, check, check. That's me. Yep. And then the yep. medication did start helping. I mean, over the last three years, we've had to like increase it and stuff yeah. like that. But like to find like, I mean, I still don't know if I'm on the right dose, but it seems to be working and I feel yeah. much better. But yeah, this is the it was thing that. I think a lot of people don't know about mental illness and medication is that the medication is just a starting point, right? Like you mm-hmm. go to the doctor and you're like, here, try this thing. And like, if that doesn't work, it doesn't mean that you don't have the thing. It might mean that you have the wrong medication or the wrong doses yes. or the medication and you should go back. And get, get more help, you know, like, yes. don't be like, oh, well that didn't work. Cause, cause we think of medicine as being this like one size fits all. We mm-hmm. doctors know everything like penicillin, right. It's always going to work. You don't have to go back and get a different dose, but mental health just doesn't no. doesn't work the same way. And so it can take a long time to figure out what you need. Yeah, uh, it- Exactly. I, I, I'm part of a bipolar group on Facebook, just so I don't feel so alone. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and you hear people who are like, I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried this. I'm on five different medications. And I'm like, wow, I really hit the jackpot that the first one we tried worked. worked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So and I, I've been on a bunch of different types of medication for my depression over the years. And like they all work to a certain extent, but it's like what the side effects and what dosage and that stuff, it just is a trial and error. And it just is that way. You know, maybe science will progress to the point at some point where we can like do a test and know exactly what medication. Oh no, they actually do have that. They do have that. They have a genetic testing, but insurance doesn't cover it. So of course, then then they don't have that. Like that's like, that doesn't exist then that exists in theory, but that doesn't exist. If you have the money. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't Which, know how much it costs, but I, if my insurance doesn't cover it, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Exactly. So it, until it actually exists, like, yes, yeah. this is like how computers existed for like a whole generation before they actually existed. Right. Because right. yeah, there's like billionaires who can use them to power the, you know, trip to the moon, but, but I'm not going to be able to type my, my essay on it. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. My, I no after the scare yesterday where I went to pick up my son's ADHD medication, Mm-hmm. And she rings it up and she's like, do you have insurance? And I'm like, I've been picking up this medication here forever. And I look at the screen, it's $572. I'm like, yes, I have insurance. I have insurance. I have it. Oh I have God. it. <laughs> Run this again. <laughs> I'm not paying that much. Oh my no God. <laughs> For yeah, like I- 60 days of his ADHD medication. And it's not even the name brand. This is like, <laughs> this is insane. So my, my son just started on medication and, and same thing. We went, he's trying to figure out his dosage. And so they're only doing him a couple of weeks at a time. And yeah. what I found out is that our insurance, my insurance will not pay for it unless it is a 90 day supply. Oh my gosh. So I just have to pay out of pocket for it. Cause I'm not going to pay $90, you know, or rather 90 days worth for like a thing. Yeah. Still, we're still trying it out. Like exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, that's a whole, that's a whole other game. But yeah, no, when I had my daughter, I told the doctor, because by then we'd moved to a different state. We were in a different medical practice. Right. And, and the situation there was that my doctor was amazing, but she was at a practice filled with old white men Mm. and who were very much exactly what I mean by that, you know, in that they don't take women's health seriously, even though they're OBGYN. So you think they would, they yeah. didn't take complaints seriously. They didn't take me seriously. Um, and that resulted in this whole other thing. So I told my doctor, she said, okay, if you got postpartum last time, you're definitely going to get it this time. We got to mm-hmm. up your dose. So you don't end up getting postpartum this time. And miraculously that really did work after my daughter was born. I like immediately connected with her. I didn't go through that same trauma mm-hmm. and but the birth itself was very traumatic because my doctor had to go out of town. She was at oh, a, no. she to a medical conference. And so I got to the hospital and I'm like, I am in labor. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I've been through this before. I know what this feels like. I'm in right. labor. And they're like, I think you're just dehydrated. And I'm like, I'm, I'm really not like I'm in labor. Mm-hmm. And the doctor, I'm not making this up put his hand on my stomach without asking me first, by the way, like put his hand on me. And since he couldn't feel contractions, he was like, well, you're not in labor. And I'm like, but, but I'm like, I am. They have machines for that. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, I know they exist because they existed for my son, which was three years earlier. Right. And then, a, and then at some point a nurse came in and tried to check my cervix without permission Oh no. These press on nails that were like, (gasps) and I was like, get your hand out of my vagina, lady. I don't know what you think you're doing without permission. And she was like, I have to check your cervix. And I was like, not with those nails. You're not get someone else. Right. Like, and then I didn't want, and then, and then I kept asking for drugs, right. Cause I'm in pain. I'm in labor and they wouldn't give it. They're like, you're not in labor. We're going to send you home. And I'm like, the hell you are. I'm not going anywhere. I need drugs. I need drugs. Like I am in labor. Please give me drugs. And they were refusing because they're like, you're not in labor. And they wouldn't believe me. And then at some point I was like, okay, fine. Then catch. Because like I had transitioned to active labor and I knew it because I had had another child. Right. 
And I was like, okay, but I'm pushing now. So I, even though you don't believe me that I'm in labor, you now get to have this like two pushes later out. She came. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I hate how they just dismiss a lot of, I a lot just dismiss what yeah. women are going through. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, that's the thing is that I felt really dismissed. And, and the thing is too, is that then I felt dismissed afterwards. You know, I would tell people that story. And again, like I was saying earlier, you get this, but you have a healthy baby. So it's fine. Right. I'm like, no, actually it really isn't though. It isn't Mm -hmm. fine. I'm not okay with it just because I got this beautiful baby who, oh my God, I love her so much. Even though I I have her, that doesn't make that situation or that experience any less traumatic. And and expecting women to just be like happy because they have a baby now mm. is how we end up with a situation like me and my first kid where I had postpartum depression and like I couldn't tell anybody. Yeah. Because I couldn't tell anybody I was struggling. I couldn't tell anybody that it was having a tough time because anytime I would try, I mean, I would just get immediately dismissed. Mm-hmm. I, even at a mom's group, I was at this, was part of this group that was supposed to be supportive for helping women figure out how to breastfeed. And I have to say with my son, it was very easy. He took to breastfeeding like immediately. I had no trouble with him, but it was nice to go somewhere where there were other moms. Yeah. And even then at that thing, I tried at some point to say that I was struggling and was immediately shut down. Mm-hmm. And in this way that made me feel like they were trying to have me not scare the other moms, you know? And I'm like, but shouldn't we be, shouldn't we be commiserate? Maybe I'm not the only one. Yeah. You know? But in, in that moment, I felt like I was I felt like I was the only person who had ever experienced this kind of sadness, the only person who had ever experienced this kind of fear and feeling useless and feeling like I was not a good enough person to be a mom for my son. Yeah. You know, because I wasn't happy all of the time, the way mm-hmm. that they told me I should be. Right. And Yeah. I mean, even now it's 11 years ago and I'm still so emotional. No, it's completely understandable. And one of the ways to reduce mental illness stigma is to talk about it. Right. But we don't talk about it because we're scared. Like I said to people before, like, I don't think I was built to be a mom. Like, and yeah. And people, oh shit, you have four kids and you say you don't, you're any kids. Yeah, but me having four kids and they're like, oh, you don't think you're meant to be a mom. I'm like, no, like sometimes when I'm by myself with them, like I feel like I'm a kid pretending to be an adult. I feel that all of the time. Like <laughs> I actually <laughs> said that to my son the other day because we were talking about how like he's growing up and he's not that far away from being considered an adult. And I was like joking with him. I was like, and don't you worry, at some point you'll theoretically become an adult, but then you're going to spend the rest of your life going oh crap, I'm the adult in the room. <laughs> Where's the adult? I'm the adult? What? Yeah, exactly. Looking around for the adult and realizing it's you is like, that's that's awful. And it, and I feel like that happens kind of on the daily. Yeah, you know, I, think of my, I think of my spouse as the adult. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I hear that. There, no, there, are days, there are days where he's the adult and there are days where I'm the adult. Like we train, yeah. which is good, but but it doesn't, so many days I feel like I am pretending because I have to because otherwise there won't be an adult in the room and so I have to pretend today 
Exactly. And people judge you like, and I honestly think that moms that judge other moms, they feel the same way. They just don't want to admit it. I'm like, there's no way nobody else feels this way. A hundred percent. So another story from the early days of me having my son, um, I got a job after grad school as a visiting assistant professor at SUNY Purchase. And the way that a schedule works as an assistant professor is that like you, you only have so many days that you actually have to be on campus and then mm. you can be working from home. And it's really, that's really good. was very good. Cause then I could be home with my kid a lot of the time, but, but I was also prepping a lot of brand new classes and I was working all of the time and I was exhausted all the time, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story was that on a work day, like a Friday or something, I took my son to the park largely because I was feeling really trapped with him inside. Yeah. And I was like, we got to go somewhere. I'm going to lose my mind. So I go to the park and there's this other mom with her kid who's roughly the same age as Grayson, my son. Um, and the two kids are playing together on the playground. And so I start chatting with this mom thinking, yeah. you know, oh, look, we can make friends. Right. And I said something like, well, what do you do for a living? Right. And she looks at me with this look of complete disdain. Oh no. And she says, I mean, I don't work. I like to stay oh. home with my children because I wanted to make sure I actually saw them grow up. That's a privileged place to come from. Right. First of all, that's a totally privileged place to come from. But also like, even if I could afford not to have a job, I would still want to do my job because I love my job. Yes. Having my children doesn't mean I don't love my job. Yes. You know? <laughs> and like, and, and I, I was very offended by it at the time and like very hurt by it at the time. And then the older I've gotten, the more I thought about that incident, the more I've realized, I think what happened was this, right? Every woman has to make this choice. They have to decide mm-hmm. if they're going to stay home with their tiny infant human babies or they are going to go to work. And that is a very difficult decision because no matter which way you do that, there's going to be somebody who says it's the wrong call. Right. Right. And so here was this woman who had made the call to stay home. And she was being defensive mm-hmm. of that choice. Like that wasn't about her attacking me for having a job, although it took me many years to come to that. That was yeah. her being worried that I was att- going to attack her for having made that choice, right. Right? which which I would never do. I, I respect the hell out of women who can actually stay home all day with their children. I I would go nuts. Even mm-hmm. just like the couple of times I've had to stay with them for extended periods of time, I'm like climbing the walls. Yeah. So I have a lot of respect for moms who can make it through a day like that, but, but yeah, no, I, I, I have this vivid memory of it, but I feel like all of parenting is like that. Like every mm-hmm. choice you make, you, you end up having to go through, right. It's basic psychology, right. It's the cognitive yeah. dissonance. And we have to convince ourselves our choice was the right choice and that the other choice was the wrong choice. Right. In order to feel okay about ourselves, especially when a choice is difficult, right. Cause you. You stay home with the kids and then they don't see you being a working mother and they don't see you being a strong, independent woman. And then Mm -hmm. you're not being a good role model, but then you don't, you go to work and you're abandoning your child and you're missing, missing the milestones and you are, you know, so there's no winning. You, you Mm -hmm. can't win that game. And, and that's, I mean, in general, that's just what it feels like to be a woman. Like, right. There's no, you can't win any one of these games. There will always be somebody who's like, you are not womaning the way that I think you should be womaning. Exactly. You know, and and I have been both a working mom and a stay at home mom. And I will tell you being a stay at home mom was the most brutal shit I've ever been through in my life. And mind you, I was a single mom. Okay. And I'm going to tell you 
I know I did not. I'm not built to be a stay home mom. Some women are, they love the Pinterest and they do all the things and they take their kids to all the places and love it, love it, love it. And that's great. And I'm not, I'm not judging. I love the fact that they love to do. It's amazing. It's amazing. I am not that mom. I have to have something to do outside of my kids. If I don't, I lose, I did for years. I didn't have anything. Then I had two businesses back to back. And then I decided to go back to college. And then I had like a job. I realized I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. I need a boss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, then I was working and still going to school. And now, I mean, a master's program is like full-time job. Yes. And 100%. My, yes. My spouse is, uh, and hopefully going into a PhD program, which will be a full-time job. Mm-hmm, um, yep. <laughs> and my spouse's job takes him away a lot. And, and so I'm just like, no, I got to have something outside of my, my children. I just can't, I'm I'm not stay at home mom material. No, me neither. No, I, the the Pinterest moms, by the way, I, I call them watermelon heart moms because of this story, (laughs) (laughs) because when my son was starting at daycare, um, and this is at my last job, he started at daycare and they, gave me this little flyer. They were inviting us to the Valentine's day party. Right. Oh. And I was like, well, I'm a professor. I have a very flexible schedule. As it turns out, I don't have class at that time. Sure. I will come to this Valentine's day party and I get there and I'm the only person there the, or the only adult there, right. I'm the only mom who has come to this thing, but the other moms have all sent in platters of food, oh. which like, I didn't even know that was an expectation. Like I didn't know that was what what we're right. expected to do in this moment. But even if I had, I probably wouldn't have because I don't bake. I don't yeah. cook. Like I don't do those things. So I don't know. And I like go over to this food and I realized that one of the mothers has taken watermelon and, and sliced it and then used cookie cutters to cut out little heart-shaped pieces of watermelon. Oh my. So it's like, it's like watermelon chunks, but they're heart-shaped. Oh, wow. And I was like, I am never going to be this mother. This is the mother. And one of the, one of the women who like was working at the daycare comes over and she goes, you're never going to be able to keep up with them. Don't even try. (laughs) I was like, yeah. (laughs) Also, why would I like, these are five-year-olds. They do not care. And not even, this is like, they're, they're two-year-olds. Yeah. These kids do not care that these things are watermelon shaped. This was not for the other children. This was for the other moms. Yeah. You know, and I just, I'm no. never going to be a watermelon heart mom. I am a store-bought mom. <laughs> yes. Oh, love me some store-bought cake. Love me yeah. some store-bought cookies. I'm all here for that. No problem. I can be that yeah. mom. My my kids told me, I told them that story not that long ago. And my kids say, no, you're the why mom. And I was like, what? And they're like, because we can ask you why this or why that. And you always know the answer. Ooh. And I was like, oh, I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> I could be that mom. That's all right. I could be the wine mom because I'm a scientist, right? So like, yeah. I know, I know why the sky is blue, right? I know why your body reacts the way it does to certain things. Right. So I can, I can help in that. I'm, I'm never going to be a watermelon heart mom. It's just never no. going to happen. <laughs> and you know, our kids don't even realize because my kids are like, you are, I love you so much. You're the best mom in the world. You're such a good mom. And I was like, I try and you have no idea the struggle that it is to try. No idea. Like, yeah. this is a whole effort going on over here yeah and like it is it's a whole effort it's a whole ass effort like it is not you are not just like doing this it is not like you wake up and effortlessly 
No. And you know, what's been really funny is that because, since I became a mother, I have started calling my mom a lot and apologizing, you know, <laughs> like, like very early on, she'll tell you this too, that like very early on, I'd call her and be like, I'm sorry for all the times that I threw up in your mouth. Like, I'm sure that <laughs> happened. Sorry about that. You know, <laughs> like, I'm sorry about all the times that we gave you crap for being the last one out of the house. I now realize it was because you were getting all of us ready and yeah. then had to get yourself ready. Sorry about that impatience, you know, and sorry for not recognizing how hard this job is and that you were doing your very best. Yes. Sorry about that, you know? And so this has been my like routine for whenever things get, <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Maybe I, I, maybe I was a little tough on my mom. Like yeah. I mean, parent, I mean, motherhood just does not come naturally to me. Really and then does. to add like a whole ass mental illness on top of that. Yeah. That's and, right. Yeah. And that's then, right. so I'm like, it takes, you know, you know, I, it takes the yes. full effort to right. actually like show up and, and that's be right there for my kids. It takes the whole effort just to show up and be a person. Yes. To, to be the, the parent of the kids is like a whole other effort on top of that. There's so many nights that I go to sleep at night and I am like, I was three people today and yeah. that's a lot of people to sustain, you yeah. know? And yeah. there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> God, yeah. I'm like, sometimes I need alone time to regenerate, but that doesn't come until yeah. like after they go to bed and then I'm just so tired that but I'm it's just like, like, it's not even regeneration at that yeah. point, it's just survival. You know, I, during COVID, this was the particularly difficult thing was that oh they were yeah. around all of the time, mm -hmm. all of the time. And my husband was around all of the time. And, you know, I, that was a lot. That, mm -hmm. that was an awful lot of time around other people. And I'm like you, right? I, I need a little time alone and need a little, but there was literally no room in the house I could go to. Yeah that they would not follow me to <laughs> you know? even my own bedroom um, was me. I, I share it, right. I share yeah. it with my spouse. So I, I even there was not a place I could go and be alone, you know? So that was, I think I was probably not, I know I was not the only person who struggled more with their mental illness during the COVID years. Cause definitely. Definitely yeah. not the only person that was, it was, it was rough. And my spouse yeah. was gone through like the first uh I he he was gone for his job for the first like nine months of COVID oh my god he left right before things shut down did he get and trapped somewhere kind of oh. I don't I don't like to go into his job that's fair I, after we stop recording I will tell sure, you sure sure but sure not sure. not the people's on the interwebs yeah, I yeah, stopped yeah. sharing too much about his job and the things that go on because I'm like I don't need somebody yeah you know, some person on the targeting internet targeting me yeah. <laughs> no thank you yeah but yeah and so it was so it was stressful. yeah I was just like I can't no this was too much I just spent most of the time like in sweatpants and like this numb state just doing yeah. my schoolwork and trying to make sure they did their schoolwork and then mindlessly watching TV when those yep, things weren't going That's on. right. And then I would drink a bunch of wine and eat that a bunch too. of cheese. That mm -hmm. was my like nightly ritual was like, all right, I have made it. I, I've survived another day. Yes. I'm now going to drink a bunch of wine and I'm going to eat a bunch of cheese. And I gained like 40 pounds during all of this because yeah. like that was, that was my only comfort was that at the end of the day. Exactly. And in and like- so, 
we didn't just have stress in our house, but then we don't know what's going on. The whole world's burning. And you're just like, I don't know what's going on with this thing. So that's an additional stressor. Like leaving your house was stressful. (laughs) All of it, all of it. It was so much. And, 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 you know, and again, again, I was told by so many people that I should be enjoying this, right? Like the number Mm -hmm. of people who are like, aren't you happy to spend more time with your kids? No. And I'm like, no. And I don't think that makes me a bad person. And I don't think it makes me a bad mother either. Like, I, I think we all need routine. We all need our space. We all need those things. And, and I, I like this, this pressure that we put on women to, to love motherhood in the way that we think they should love motherhood is, is, is not cool, man. You know, I don't like it. No. And meanwhile, then there's my husband, right? And he would like, all he has to do is show up. And people yeah. are like, you're an incredible dad. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, like he would pick up the kids at daycare because our routine was such that it often made sense for me to drop them off and him to pick them up or whatever. And he'd go and there would be all these moms being like, I can't believe that you're just here picking up your children. Um, that's their job. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like it's like parenting. Like this is yeah. what this literally is. What, what? But but he would get like all of this praise from the people at daycare, basically for doing exactly the same things I was doing and getting no praise for. Yeah, we dealt with an interesting issue last school year with my kids. So my spouse um, was home, and he didn't have a lot of responsibilities for his job. So he sure. was doing all the things because I'm busy with school and doing all my things. Sure. And he was doing a lot of the things that quote unquote, the mom would do. Right. And so he's yeah. going to the parent teacher conferences. He's doing all those things. Yeah. He dealt with one of the teachers absolutely having an issue with this, even though she didn't say it. And this is how I know is she would contact me instead of him. He would put his email address on the contact stuff, like to sign up for like the, yeah, the parent teacher conferences. And she would email me about it. And not him, like purposely bypassing the fact that he's the one coming to talk to you. You haven't even seen my face. Like you don't even, and just completely bypassing it and just directly contacting me. So uh, I have twins and I always like them to be in separate classes. I mean, they're going to middle school, so that's going to be nearly impossible now, but I wanted them to grow on their own because they are very attached to each other. Yeah. My daughter's teacher was like very young, like I say very young because I'm in my 30s, like like late 30s. And she's like maybe in her late 20s. She'd only been teaching a couple of years and she was no problem. We had no problem at all with her. The other one had been teaching for quite some time and was quite a bit older than us. And so she was the issue. Like She never came out and said anything that was offensive. But it's the... It's the microaggressions, though. Yes, it was passive contacting you because contacting you is the microaggression there. Like contacting yes. you is a way of saying you are not playing what I think is should be your role as a mother. And right. since you are violating my social norms, I am going to make it clear that you should be more involved. Exactly. So that, like where usually he would get praise for like just showing up and doing the things, she had a significant problem that he was doing all of the things. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Talking yeah, about gender yeah. norms and parental norms. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So my my son has long hair. Um and he has wanted his hair long since he was very small. Mine like it's too. just 
mm-hmm. very strict. Oh, really? That's amazing. Just like, <laughs> cause it's a thing, right. And it, and yeah. it is a thing that they, and, and, you know, I don't know about yours, but mine deals with misgendering all of the time. And like, even though he dresses in very gender stereotypical boy clothes, yeah, his hair is long. And so he gets called, she, my daughter, like all the time. Right. Anyway, when he was in kindergarten, um, he had this older teacher and I, I disliked her for any number of reasons, but <laughs> this was the, this was the straw, right? Was this, yeah. was this incident was that he was getting bullied, right? This is when we lived in upstate New York and, you know, general. I'm from, a, oh no, I'm from upstate New York. Oh, like so you Canada, know that. Tippy top of New York. Yes. So, so you know that, that upstate yes. New York is, um, it's red, a place. A red dot in a blue con- or blue state. <laughs> uh yeah well i mean it's this is the thing is that it's it's actually like new york is the red is the blue dot in this like sea of red it's just there's nobody who lives up there and so the state goes blue but yeah as a new york city because upstate new york is all red and yeah and it feels like it and so my kid was getting teased he was getting bullied for having mm. long hair they were saying oh you're a girl you want to be a girl all this stuff which like of course that's an insult, but whatever. Um, and, and he was upset about it. You know, it was, he was having nightmares. He was upset about it. And so during one of the parent teacher conferences, I said something to his teacher and I said, you know, he's getting bullied and, and she, you know, because of his long hair. And she was like, well, why don't you just have him cut it? Oh, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. (laughs) I, I, and, and I, I mean, I lost it at her. Like yeah. I, that was it. Cause it was the last straw. Like, I want to be clear. That wasn't like the only, it was a bunch of things like that. And I just lost it at her. And I was like, you are the problem. Yeah. You and people like you are the reason why my son is getting bullied. You were bad at your job. Be better. I didn't say quite like that, but that's how I felt in my head. It was very mad. Yeah. But you know, and, and it's funny cause then we moved to Connecticut and his new school is super inclusive and super yeah. no problem. And like, like to sign them up for their school, like you have to like fill up paperwork or whatever. They ask, what is their gender? What are their preferred pronouns? Like they oh, ask. I wish our them. school did that. Oh, so great. I saw that on the forum and I like nearly wept because yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be easier here. This is good. This is good. Although talk about red dots and blue states. That's where I live in Connecticut. So oh, dot. you live in another red, red dot. But there. not super red. Like let's, let's, there are some that are pink. Yes. Yeah. Pink. So it's not quite as progressive as I'd like, but when we went to the middle school orientation, they did have pride. It was June. They did have pride flags out front. So I was like, all right, we're not, we're pink. We're not red. Could be worse. Could be (laughs) worse. Way worse. But that would be great. My nephew is trans and his school has, uh, upstate New York is mm-hmm. actually very trans inclusive. They have oh, great. gender neutral bathrooms. Oh, that's um, amazing. Uh, the only thing his name is not changed on is like his official records because that's, if it's, that's a legal yeah. thing. We run yes. into that at CCSU too, is that there's, there's only, there's like a handful of things that we can, if your name isn't legally changed, we cannot change your name on yes. these things. Exactly. And so they'll still pop up like on your diploma right? We, we cannot put a different name on your diploma than your actual name. Like that's just exactly that. Yeah. So his school, like will use his name, his pronoun. It's on everything. One teacher, my sister had an issue with, and my sister like contacted the school and was like, listen up. We're having an issue with this teacher who is legitimately 
misgendering him and not using his name like even though it's listed on all the things like on purpose then it's on purpose yep and no time at all it was taken care of so nice i mean it's amazing how progressive schools have become and i'm very impressed with it because my nephew doesn't feel like he feels like he does at home that he is accepted even though you know he gets bullied and stuff but like that he's being respected right yeah and it's, it's and great. man, that's the silver bullet. There's so much research that shows that 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 for queer kids, having your identity, whatever it is, respected yeah. and understood and you know supported, is is the silver bullet. It's what keeps you from encountering because the, the you know the suicide rate on trans kids is oh yeah like quadruple what it is for anybody else and. And, and and there's reasons for that. It's because, it, you know, it's they don't get the support that they need and they don't get people acknowledging or respecting or, you know, and if you, if you don't have supportive parents, that can be a very, very difficult life. So, and, exactly. and the schools too. I mean, it's one thing to have a supportive parent, but like also if you then go to school and they misgender you all day, like that's not going to be a fun time either yeah. so well, Julia, but, you have places to go. Yes. I have places <laughs> I to go. Have to, go with my children to go meet their new, their new teachers for the year. There That's what I'm go. doing today. I'm going to go mom some more, but go, not watermelon. Go mom. This is what not we water- have been doing. <laughs> not watermelon. Never going to be a watermelon heart mom. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming <laughs> to the podcast today. As we wrap up, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? Mm. This is always the hardest question of the entire time. Yeah, I guess you're not alone. It, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're feeling, it is normal and is a thing that many, many women before you have felt. And don't let anybody tell you any differently. You you got to reach out and find the people who will take you seriously because they're out there. You know, they're mm-hmm. farther between than they should be. But there are people out there who will take you seriously and get you help before you reach a crisis state mm-hmm. like I did. So, yeah. Well, you're not alone. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.